You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Yes, indeed, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson. I am joined alongside, as I am each and every week, by none other than Alex Smith. Alex, how's it going? C-Mac, it is going well, obviously. Things not going quite where Eagles fans had hoped in the last few weeks, yeah. but we'll keep things positive. I mean, there's still a lot to look forward to with this team, with a lot of the young talent on this team. So I know some fans are down, especially after the way this team started. And, you know, it's fine to be that way. These fans live and die with this team. But, you know, I'm trying to stay upbeat, C-Mac. You have to. And you mentioned a great point about the young talent mm-hmm. on the roster. And you have guys like Carson Wentz, who's been phenomenal in his rookie season and Doug Pearson said it, Fran Duffy wrote a great article about it, that this past Sunday's game against Washington was probably his best performance of the season, and he's had some very good games to this point. But one guy we want to spotlight, he's been a fan favorite since training camp, and as wide receiver, Paul Turner, who finally got the opportunity to be called up to the active roster. He did make the initial 53-man roster coming out of the preseason, but was on it for a day, and then the Eagles went through the waiver wire transactions, and unfortunately, Paul Turner was bumped down to the practice squad, but he pushed on, persevered, was called up for the Green Bay Packers game, and then a week later against Cincinnati, had a breakout performance and earned the Toyota Player of the Week honors, if I'm correct. Yes, he did. So, C-Mac, as you well know, I know a lot of fans out there may not know, I monitor the At Eagles Twitter account, so the official Eagles Twitter account. You are the, you are the voice behind At Eagles on Twitter. Yes. That, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if we're like breaking news I'm with the man one. behind the curtain. Where I'm going with this is that that account got more tweets towards At Eagles about Paul Turner <laughs> than any other player that I can ever remember. And I'd have to go back through the archives to see from years ago, from whenever that Twitter account was first made, of the guys that the fans just want to see. Why aren't we seeing more Paul Turner? It's those Play guys, Paul exactly. Turner. Why haven't the Eagles activated Paul Turner? And it just went on and on and on throughout the year. So he is the darling of the Eagles Twitterverse out there. And he finally got his chance. He had a great game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Really looking forward to see how he finishes out this season. But yes, he's absolutely one of those young guys that you're looking forward to see how they end this year. It's not just Carson Wentz and it's Big V and Wendell Smallwood, obviously his season's over, but he was making strides. Jalen Mills on the defense. There's a lot of those young guys. You want to see how they finish this year and ascend in that second year. Paul Turner's obviously one of those guys. Indeed. So Paul Turner, a rookie for Eden out of Louisiana Tech, signed with the Eagles after the draft, began his college career at LSU. He's from Louisiana, went to LSU, and then, due to some illnesses in his family, decided to move and be closer to home. And that's why he transferred to Louisiana Tech. So we're going to talk to Paul about his rise to becoming a fan favorite here in Philadelphia. And then we're going to talk to the man who first got him into the game of football. And that's Carl Turner, his dad, who was an Army specialist and has served for the West Monroe Police Department. He's a major, has been with the force for 24 years. So you'll get a sense of where Paul's humility comes from. And we're just going to learn a lot about this rookie wide receiver. So let's get into it. It's our interview with Eagles wide receiver, Paul Turner. First and foremost, welcome to the podcast. And first question for you is, what has it been like receiving the attention from the fans? Is it something that you've noticed throughout the course of the year? Because it started in training camp and has kind of picked up throughout the course of the year. So have you noticed it? Have you paid much attention to it? How have you dealt with the adulation from the fans? First and foremost, thanks for having me on the show. As far as the fans, you know, I've, uh, I've heard a few things here and there from my parents, from my girlfriend, from a few people I've met around here. And, you know, I think it's crazy how accepting they have been of me. It's actually uh, quite humbling. 
But the biggest thing is, you know, I just try not to focus on it too much. Try not to let it get in my head too much and just try to just stay focused on just playing football and just the game plan each and every week and just trying to focus on getting better and knowing that everything else is just take care of itself. Is it hard, though? I mean, to be honest, during the preseason, I used to be that guy that was all into Twitter and, and the social media. But, you know, I quickly learned, you know, I can't be so focused on social media, especially if I'm trying to focus on my game and make myself the best player that I can possibly be. You know, at first I was, you know, all into that. But as of lately, the past couple months, I haven't been into it as much. Uh, you know, I try to keep my head down and just keep working. One other question I have to ask you before we kind of get into the meat of this podcast. What's your best nickname for you? Because Good question. we've heard the burner, Paul the Burner Turner. We've had, you know, Afterburner. What's the best nickname you've ever had, if you've ever had one? You know, honestly, I've never had a, like, a, a true nickname. You know, a lot of people just call me by my initials, PT. PT. And, you know, that's what kind of sticks. You know, you can, you can let the burner thing go. <laughs> like, that's been around since high school, but uh, okay. yeah, we can just kill that one. Yeah. You know? I mean, the fans come up with some of the stuff on their own. Yeah, so okay, right. Paul the Burner Turner's kind of caught on a little bit. But on this podcast, Paul, we kind of like to get to know you off the field and what you're like. So you grew up in Louisiana. Was it West Monroe? Mm -hmm, correct. What's life like there in Louisiana? Boring. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not really much to do. You know, in my off time, I mean, we usually just go fishing because it's really a small town. So me and a couple of my family members, maybe we'll go fishing. I'm a big movie fan, so I go to the one movie theater around there. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, like, not much. I'm just a huge family-oriented guy, so I like spending time with my immediate family, my cousins, my grandmother, just visiting with them and sitting around talking with them and just reliving old memories. Talking about your family, what was your family like life growing up? I mean, it was tough. My dad was a, uh, he was an army so, you know, I got that army head. And then my mom, she's an accountant. Both of them were, they were really strict parents, mm -hmm. but they really valued education. So, I mean, I couldn't ask for two better parents. Just growing up in the household, you, I never had an opportunity to go out and do much. But I really appreciate that now because they've molded me into the young man that I am today. So how did you get into the game of football? I think it started when I was maybe like seven, seven or eight. I think my dad just put together this youth football team. We were called the Riverbend Gators. It was from my elementary school, Riverbend, and he was the head coach. And it kind of just went from there. You know, I started off wanting to play a quarterback, trying to emulate Michael Vick's game, you know, wearing the number seven. And I just caught wind from there. I loved the game. I just loved the atmosphere. It was just something that I fell in love with at a young age and just been continuing thus since. What was it like having your dad as a coach, though? It was rough. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, a lot of people would think, oh, man, it's cool having your dad as a coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get to play whatever position you want to play. but for me, it wasn't, it wasn't always like that. Like, I was going to play what he wanted me to play, and that was like quarterback. He always envisioned me being a quarterback because his favorite player was Randall Cunningham, and I guess he was trying to live his dream through me. It was kind of tough, but, I mean, I appreciate it because he taught me a few things, taught me how to work hard, and I just think that I wouldn't ask to play for anybody else growing up. And did you want to play quarterback in college? Was that your plan? You know, I did. At one point, I had thought about going to Georgia Tech, running that option yep. offense, but my whole mindset was like, what's going to get me to the NFL? I'm 5'10", and at the time, I'm like 165 soaking wet, so I was just like, I don't, <laughs> I don't see myself being an NFL quarterback, so I was just like, well, I'm going to have to make a position change, and it was either wide receiver or defensive back, and I kind of chose with wide receiver. Did you always want to go to LSU growing up in Louisiana? Is that like the place? Is that like the Mecca, so to speak? No. <laughs> I mean, that, well, yeah, that is the Mecca. Like, that's the school that everybody grows up wanting to go to. But for me, my school was the U. I loved Miami. I loved everything about it. But I never got that scholarship offer. 
My second school was UT, University of Texas, and that one never came either. So it was, <laughs> was kind of like, all right, well, I guess. Uh, well, I guess LSU's not a bad school. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't that bad. It was a school that both my brother and my father loved. They grew up LSU fans. And when I went down there for a couple of visits, it was awesome. It was an atmosphere that I've never experienced before, and I enjoyed my time there. I never regret going there. I love the school. So ultimately, you decide to transfer. Was it your junior year? No, it was my sophomore, sophomore year. year. What was that decision like? I'm sure it was something you thought about a lot. What was that like? It was tough at first because I just felt like I produced all these relationships with a lot of different people, a lot of friends, coaches, the coaching staff and whatnot. For me, it was just a tough decision to leave, but I just felt like it was something that was best for me as far as my football career and as far as for my family. It was better just to move closer to home so I could help take care of my mother and my grandmother at the time. And this would also give me a better opportunity to play, too. So I think just when I weighed my options, it was just the best option for me. How important was it for you to get that additional family time? You mentioned you did primarily for your mother and your grandmother. Looking back at now, how special was it that you were able to be that much closer to home for them? It was big. Just being able to, being within driving distance, Russell is like 20, 25 minutes away from where I'm from. So it was huge just having that opportunity to go see them, you know, after practice or, you know, after class, if need be, and being able to help out. That was big for my family. And I think it alleviated a lot of stress on both my parents. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then it gave them a better opportunity to come down and visit or come see me. And so, I mean, that was huge just being close to my family. Like I said, just I'm really close with them. What illnesses were they battling? So my grandmother was having kidney failures, and my mother, she was having really bad high blood pressure, and she wasn't taking her medicine at one point. I mean, it was just big for somebody to come in and step in and help out with them, especially since my grandmother stayed with my family at the time. Somebody needed to come there and, uh, and check on her, you know, make sure they took their medicine and just took care of them because my grandmother is wheelchair-bound, so she can't really do everything for herself. And so somebody needs to be with her at all times, and so... You know, with my mother being down, too, she really couldn't do that either. So somebody had to step in. And my father working full time, that just gave me an opportunity to do it. And I'm thankful for it. Was it tough for you to weigh helping your family against your potential NFL career at that point? Was that something that you even thought about? Or was it my family, I need to be there for them? Ultimately, no, because I just know, like, family comes first. I knew football would work out at the end of the day. I knew that if you're good enough that you'll have the opportunity to play in the NFL no matter where you play, no matter what college you go to, they'll find you. I just knew at the end of the day that I needed to be there for them. And like I said, I have no regrets for doing it because I think everything worked out for the best. How did you balance school, practice, football, and the time you dedicated to your family? Because I think for the average student athlete, the average college student alone, books might be a lot. Adding practices and games is a lot. But then to have that on top of it, how were you able to balance it all? Be really good with my time management skills. Coming in, I, I didn't have as many classes. Louisiana Tech was on a quarter system, so I could take two to three classes and still be a full-time student. So that helped out a lot, especially coming from a semester-style system. I just knew I had to balance my time well, take care of my schoolwork, whatever downtime I had, and then in my free time, just go check on my family whenever I could. Like I said, it was just making sure I managed my time. And like I said, the quarter system, I think, helped out a ton. Because I think if I was still on a semester system, I wouldn't have been able to do half the things that I was able to do at the time. Paul, what was the draft process like for you? It wasn't tough because I kind of knew where I stood. You know, I knew I was coming from a small school. I didn't have many stats, so I probably wasn't getting drafted. So I just knew that I had to have a pretty good pro day in order to even get a, a shot. I'm just thankful that we had a lot of guys who 
were uh, highly rated coming out, like Kenneth Dixon and Vernon Butler and Jeff Driscoll. And so that just brought more scouts to the school. And that just gave a lot of smaller guys, well, guys who weren't getting really looked at, an opportunity to be seen by numerous scouts. And so I just thought that helped. And I knew that coming into pro day, and I just knew I had to have a pretty good pro day and then make the best of my opportunity when it presented itself. We've heard a lot about being an undrafted free agent. It's kind of a frenzy. I mean, teams are calling you left and right. How'd you handle all that? I mean, was that something that your agent kind of just took care of and you said, whatever offers come, we'll kind of sort it out? How'd you kind of handle that situation? I kind of gave all that to my agent. In the draft process, we had a few teams that we knew for sure who was really looking at me. We kind of just weighed the options a couple of days before the draft where I fit best. We looked at the rosters and we just kind of just looked and saw who had who and where I could come in and possibly make a roster and play. We just kind of just went from there. What's the adjustment like to the NFL at that point from your perspective? The biggest thing was just the playbook. You come in, and I came from a spread system where it was just all you had to do was look and get a signal, and you kind of knew the play. But here you got to learn the entire play, and you got to know where to go. And we were in a huddle. So, I mean, that was different for me too. So, I mean, it was just trying to come in and digest the entire playbook at one point in time. I mean, that was huge for me, and it took a while. But I'm just thankful for having guys like Josh Huff and Jordan and Nelson who kind of took in time and were willing to answer questions when questions needed answered. I mean, they really took time out to help you study. And if you didn't catch something, they were patient with you. So if we didn't have guys in, in the room like that, then you know, I honestly don't know if I would have picked up on it so fast. But I mean, for me, the biggest adjustment was just coming in trying to learn the playbook. So you go out, you have a great training camp, great preseason. And then ultimately, you made the 53-man roster initially, right? And then I think the next day, you're waived. That's got to be a complete roller coaster for you. What's your mindset at that point? I was kind of confused at first. I thought I did well enough to make the team, but then when I sat back and looked at it, it was little things that I felt like I still needed to work on, and maybe that's what the coaches saw too. So I knew that even if I didn't make the active roster, that it was a possibility that they would still bring me back on the practice squad. And if I was going to have that opportunity, that I just needed to make the best of it. Just work on the little details to improve my game day in and day out and just do what I can do to try to improve as a player. And then eventually, when my time came, I would just make the best of it. What's the mentality of being on the practice squad? Obviously, you're out there with the guys fighting every day. Don't get to suit up on game day. How challenging can that be? I mean, it could be difficult if you let it be difficult. But, I mean, you got to take it as a redshirt year. You take it as a year to get better. You can't go out there with the mindset, oh, man, I'm never going to play. I'm on the practice squad. Like, I'm not a part of the team. You are. Like, you're a vital asset to the team. So you have to go out there with the mindset that I'm trying to get better each and every day. And by me getting better, I'm making my teammates better. So, I mean, I think that a lot of guys on the practice squad, they took it with the mentality that if we can go out there and give the best look to the defense, then we're only helping them out come Sundays. You know what I'm saying? We're giving them the looks that they're going to be getting in the game. And so, I mean, that's the mentality that you have to come in with, that you're only one play away. And you just got to keep working and just knowing that your time will come. But if you just be patient and just keep working and keep your head down, that everything will work out. So you did keep your head down. You kept working. And then against Cincinnati, you kind of had your breakout game, six catches for 80 yards. How gratifying was it for you to put in all that hard work and then finally see it pay off in a game against the Cincinnati Bengals? It was amazing just to finally be out there. I mean, I just knew for me the biggest thing was just not focusing on whether I got a pass here or there or not, but just doing the little things that I could do to to help the team win, just taking care of my details, and I knew everything else was going to take care of itself. But to just get out there and catch a few passes, I mean, it was an amazing feeling. It was something that I hadn't done since the preseason. So just to do that, that was just like it was like a weight that had lifted off my shoulders. I just know at the end of the day it was a blessing that only came from God. What was it like when that first pass was coming your way 
your catcher run for 41 yards. That ball's flowing to you. Are you like, this is it? This is the moment mm-hmm. I've been waiting for? What was that like for you? I was nervous. Coming across the middle, I knew that I was going to have an opportunity to get the ball, especially before the play, because Carson was like, man, make sure you get in my vision. Like, make sure you get over there. So as soon as he said that in the huddle, like, I was like, oh, man, like, <laughs> it may be coming to me. <laughs> Tighten so the gloves I, yeah, a little so more. I was, then, so I was like, all right, you better catch it. So as soon as he threw it, I was just like, all right, please catch it, because if, if I don't, like, it's over. <laughs> like, I may not get another opportunity. I was just making sure that, you know, I looked the ball in all the way into the tuck and then just catch it and then just try to make it play from there. But ultimately, my main focus was just make sure you catch the ball. Like, that's it. That's all I could focus on. After the game, understand it was a tough loss and all, but what was the first text message, first call you may have received from a family member or a loved one to let you know about your great performance? I think the first thing that I saw was it was a voicemail from my mom, and she was just screaming for joy for some odd reason because I think they didn't watch the game. But I think she said she was listening to it on the internet. She was just excited for me. Her and my dad are like my biggest fans, and they've been my biggest supporters throughout the entire process. Just hearing that voicemail from her was just, it kind of got me a little teary-eyed because I just know how encouraging she's been through the entire process and just keeping me encouraged and, you know, sending me Bible verses each and every day trying to keep my head up. So, I mean, just hearing her excitement, it got me all excited. And though it was a tough loss, it was just, it was good to actually hear that from my mother. Paul Turner, you've been a phenomenal story throughout the entire training camp from everything you did on the field and your perseverance to make it here. It's been a real joy to finally see you be able to have the opportunity to get on the field and have the success that you're having. Thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you for having me. We want to tell all of you Eagles fans out there that Eagles Fantasy Camp is the ultimate football experience for any Eagles fan. Learn the X's and O's of the game from Eagles greats like John Runyon, Chad Lewis, among many others, as you live out your football dreams at Lincoln Financial Field. Learn more today at EaglesFantasyCamp.com. And with the holidays fast approaching, this could be the perfect gift for that Eagles fan in your life. So what I like about guys like Paul is... Kind of like a blank slate. I mean, you've seen what they've done on the field. You read the bios, but I don't know a lot about Paul. For him, it's like you're starting from scratch. It's kind of like these conversations can go in any number of directions. So, Yeah, it's funny how you said it correctly. It's kind of a blank slate with these guys because, see, Mac, you and I will be in the locker room every day, and there are some of the players that the reporters want to talk to every day, you know, some of the bigger-name guys. And the practice squad guys, you know, because they're not suiting up on Sundays, they're going through the motions. They don't have to worry about talking to reporters or anything like that. So it's great for us to get a chance to talk to a guy like Paul Turner, who's been here the whole season, kind of behind the scenes, doing the little things that he needs to do to make his way onto the active roster. And I think he's shown a lot of promise in the games that he's had so far. And the decision to leave LSU, that can't be an easy one. Because if if you're a student athlete at LSU, particularly a football player, you have to say, I know the scouts are going to be here from every single team. Everybody wants to know, you know, who's on the LSU roster, who's going to be the next great LSU player in in the league. So it's really a courageous move on Paul's part to say, I want to help my family and I I need to do what's best for them. I think he's putting his family first. Whether it's courageous or not, I think it's just a matter of saying, look, at the end of the day, what's more important. Football is important. And yes, it could be my path to financial success and fame and all that down the road. But if I don't have my family, what's going to be the point? Yeah, exactly. And in our interview that we're about to get into with his father, Carl, you can kind of hear how much family means to the Turner family. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. You can hear how proud Carl is of his son. I don't want to give away too much, but we'll get into that interview. Carl Turner, again, an army specialist. We're going to ask Carl about how he used his military background in terms of raising Paul and Paul's two siblings, 
you know, we'll get into introducing Paul to the game of football. He was his first coach. And that time when Paul had to make the decision whether or not to stay at LSU or come home to the family. So here's our interview with Paul Turner's father, Carl. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us here. And the first thing that I want to ask you is, can you talk about your military career and how that influenced how you were as a parent raising Paul and his two siblings? Well, thank you for having me. Growing up, I joined the military when I was 18 years old, right out of high school. Just taught me a lot of discipline, trying to do the right things and respecting people. And that's what I want to pass along to my kids, just be respectful and treat people the way you would like to be treated. And what was Paul like, you know, as a young kid? Did he kind of take to that discipline style or did it kind of take some time for him to grow into that? Well, it took a little time for him to grow into it. He was always a good kid. He was kind of quiet, self-reserved, I would say. Real easy going, though. He didn't get in a lot of trouble or anything. He got into some things as all kids do. I think Paul and his brother and sister knew that. So they didn't do a lot because I think they didn't want to let me down or for fear that they may be disciplined in some kind of way. Carl, did you have to move around a lot, or were you pretty much able to keep your family in the Louisiana area all throughout Paul's childhood? Well, throughout Paul's childhood, we were all in one area. We lived in a small town, West Maryland, Louisiana, and I got on with the police force. So throughout Paul's entire childhood, we were in one area, and I've worked at the police department for the last 24 years. And Paul kind of explained to us what your town was like while he was growing up there, said there's not too much to do, there weren't too many distractions. Did you notice that with Paul? Did he ever seem like he was kind of distracted or maybe was he always kind of looking like he was on the right path and a path that you would hope that he would go in? Paul was always on the right path. He was very focused. I think he always had a goal, even though he would probably wouldn't admit it. He loved sports. He was actually probably coming up a little better in basketball than anything else. That was the first sport that he ever played. Then we kind of got into other sports, but he was always very straightforward. He would always give 110% of whatever he did. Now, Carl, Paul and his brother both played football. Brother played at the collegiate level as well. What was it like being able to coach Paul and being able to give him that first experience in football? Just starting out, just doing it for the enjoyment, trying to introduce kids to the game. Actually, we had Paul playing fullback when he first started out because he was one of the buffier kids, had good size, and you know, all we did was try and run the ball. We just wanted to introduce him to the game and see how he liked it. It turned out pretty well for us. As a coach, were you tougher on Paul than some of the other kids, or did you try to treat him the same way as everybody else? No, I think I was actually a little tougher on him (laughs) than I was the other kids. You see things in your kid, and you see maybe some potential. I would be quicker to point out mistakes that he would make. I would tell him, you're with me all the time, so we can talk about these things. If you have any questions about anything, just ask me, and we'll go over and we'll explain it throughout. So I was much tougher on him than I was anyone else. So, Carl, when Paul was figuring out where to go to college, how much of an influence did you and your wife have in terms of crafting that decision for him? I think we had a lot of influence on what Paul initially went to college. Paul knew that I was a big, big LSU fan. I wasn't so much LSU fan. I think he may have gone to LSU because he knew that's where I really wanted him to go. And I think that weighed heavily into making his decision to go to LSU. So Paul goes to LSU initially, and then he decides that he wants to transfer. And he's told us that one of the reasons why he did that was he wanted to be closer to his family, be closer to his mother, closer to his grandmother. But we know that that decision for him to transfer wasn't an easy one. 
what kind of discussions did you have with him during that time about a decision that really kind of shaped his future? We talked about it some, and of course my mom was really ill at the time. And my mom, she helped us keep him when he was growing up, and she babysitted for him a lot. So he was really, really close to his grandmother. And uh, I think it was affecting him a lot. I don't think he could really focus the way he wanted to. So when we talked, he said he wanted to come home, be closer, so he could help out with her. And and that's what he did. And, you know, and I admire him for it. We were thankful because he was a big help, take him back and forth to the doctor appointments and so forth. It weighed heavily on us, but I think it was the best decision he could have made. Carl, did you ever think of advising him not to come home just because he's at a prestigious school for football? You knew what could be ahead of him in the future. Did you ever think of advising him to stay at school, or did you pretty much want to let him make the decision for himself? Well, at that time, I was a young man, and I didn't want to try and influence his decision one way or the other. I told him it was totally left up to him, whatever decision he made, that I would support him 100%. Carl, what was the draft process like for you as a parent, hearing what all these people think of your son and seeing the anguish that your son's going through, not knowing where his professional career is going to begin, and then ultimately not being selected in the draft. What was that process like for you as a parent? Draft day is kind of a stressful, emotional roller coaster. You're hearing that he, he won't be selected, but all the time you're hoping coming towards the later rounds someone will see something or maybe a scout has seen something that no one else has seen, and you're hoping that every parent is just hoping that to hear their son's name called and when it doesn't happen, you know, you just go support them and tell them everything's fine and it's all in God's control. Of course, we all know that. And tell them to continue to work hard and whatever happens is going to happen. And he received a call shortly from the Eagles and some other teams, of course, but I think he just made the decision that he thought Philadelphia was the best place for him. And he said he was going to go there and work hard and try and make the best of it that he could. Well, that's exactly what Paul's done since the moment that he first arrived here. All he's done is work hard worked his way from the practice squad, then he finally gets the call to the active roster to suit up for the team. What was your reaction when he told you that he was going to be on the active roster and he was going to suit up and play in an NFL game? Oh, we were all elated. We were excited for him. I didn't think I could sleep much the night before the game. You know, It's surreal watching your kid run out on the NFL field playing against other professional athletes for the first time. We were all excited, and I think I was just probably more nervous than he was, to be honest with you. We talked a little bit before the game. I just told him just go out and play fast and play with confidence. I told him I believed in him and, and his ability and you know, just go out and play the game that you love. Carl, were you able to be here in Philadelphia for that first game that he played in against we were, the Packers? We were not able to make it for the first game, but we're planning on coming for the last game of the year, which is the Cowboy game, if I'm not mistaken. So when you watched him on television and in the week since, do you just focus on him? Do you just look for the number 19 out there on the field and almost not really pay much attention to anything else? Yeah, I find myself focusing on what he's doing when he's on the field more than anything else. I find myself following him on the TV screen, watching things if he's getting off the line, seeing if he's getting his blocks. And when he catches the ball and when he gets the ball, we're jumping up and down and saying, go. I find myself running with the television screen sometimes. <laughs> So Paul's big breakout game was against the Bengals. His first catch goes for 41 yards racing down the sideline. Some Eagles fans knew about him. They wanted to see what he could do, and he went out and proved it in a huge way against the Bengals. What did you say to Paul after that game? Well, I just told him that we loved him and we're all proud of him and continue to work hard and good things will come to you. He just texted me back and told me 
He loves us too, and he appreciates it. You know, I just try and encourage him. Don't ever get too high when you make a good play and something don't go your way. Don't ever be too hard on yourself. Just be prepared and go out there and make a play when the opportunity comes. Carl, what are you most proud of when you look what Paul has done with himself? Just the person that Paul is. I'm proud of the way he represents himself as a young man. I'm proud of the way he gives the glory to God. He's just a good kid. I'm proud of him getting his education, graduating from college. I could just go on and on. Carl, how often do you think about those times when he was growing up and whether it was when you were coaching him or when he was in high school flourishing, to think now that he is on the biggest stage playing in the NFL with other, as you said earlier, professional athletes? I think about high school a lot when he was coming up, and I think didn't really give it a whole lot of thought when he was in college too much because he was injured somewhat and never really played a full season healthy, so we didn't know what football would lead. I knew he wanted to and had aspirations of playing on the NFL level, but we were just hopeful that someone would give him an opportunity, and it all worked out for him. You know, I'm thankful that he did, and I'm sure he is as well. Well, Carl Turner, first and foremost, we thank you for your service, being a part of our nation's military, and we also thank you very much for joining us here to share some stories and your thoughts about your son, Paul, here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thank you very much. What's something that's been consistent, with all these interviews that we've done on the podcast throughout the course of the season is the support systems are so important for these players. And it's great when it's a father figure. Go back to County on Barner, you know, his father Gary, who did the podcast a week ago. We have Paul and Carl Turner this week. But some guys, it's had to be from outside. Wendell Smallwood, you know, was a high school coach. Jalen Mills was a high school coach. Somebody like DGB, who Doral Greenback, of course. was a high school coach and then kind of made that transition into being Become his father. his father. People will use the term self-made whatever, self-made success, self-made millionaire, what have you. It's never self-made. No matter who it is, no matter what stage you are, what status you are, people helped you get to where you are. So it's good to be able to shine a light on these fathers who have done things the right way and to be able to set great examples for their children. And I think it's really interesting for us to hear from some of the players who have come from military family backgrounds. Mm -hmm. When you look at a player like Paul Turner, when you look at Nolan Carroll, yep, who Nolan we talked Carroll. to earlier in the year, and you really get to know their families, you can kind of see what shaped them into the person that they are today with that disciplined backgrounds and the value of family and all those different things. I think that's really been an interesting part of doing this podcast, to just kind of get a look into that life and to see what their upbringing was and how they became the person that they are today. And I thought talking to Paul and his father, Carl, you can really see why Paul has stayed so humble and has found success here early on with the Eagles. Beautifully said, Alex. So I think that's going to do it for us here. It's another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast, wherever you consume our podcast, whether it's Stitcher, iTunes, what have you. We appreciate the downloads. We appreciate the subscriptions, the rates, the comments, whatever you leave us. Again, thank you so much for all the support throughout the course of the season. We've got a couple more episodes coming down the pipeline here, so make sure you stay tuned for those. But this has been another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. For Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. Special shout-out to Ricky Shu, our producer behind the glass. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. <laughs>